We continue worship now by <clears throat> opening up the Word of God. And if you have your Bibles, please take them and turn with me to the book of Psalms this morning. Uh, this morning and next morning, next Sunday, I'm going to be preaching out of the Psalms. And I believe it's just encouragement and fitting for all of us as we are uh, sheltering at home and, and experiencing perhaps just uh, worries or anxieties or, or fears. And we, uh, I trust that the Psalms would be a blessing to you just as they have been to me over the years. And our passage this morning is Psalm 121, Psalm 121. And I will read the whole Psalm for us this day. Psalm 121, a song of ascents. I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. From where shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the food of your word. Lord, we need your food. We need to hear from you for your word is truth. And by it, a man or woman shall live. By it, we will have all that we need to be strong, to be wise. By it, Lord, we shall have the strength and encouragement and the hope that this time calls for. And Father, by your word, your people are built up and your church is strengthened. Your church is, is mobilized to go forth equipped with your word so that we might offer it to others. Lord, through this time of teaching and hearing your word, not only just equip us for our own individual lives, but equip us for the work of service that you've called each of us to be. Open up doors for us this week, even as we go, as we interact in our homes, to share the things that you are teaching to us. Help us to be light and salt. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the Gospels, Jesus said to his disciples in John 16, 33, that in the world you have tribulation. As long as we live in this fallen world, we, we face trials and we face tribulations. I don't think there's a Christian on earth today that would disagree with this. As we learned last week in our study of 2 Corinthians, trials, afflictions, work in our lives to make us more like Christ. When trials come and difficulties increase, the professing Christian will respond in one of two ways. You might consider, which way are you responding? The professing Christian will either 
be drawing closer to the Lord in tribulation, or he will draw farther away from him. Which one are you? Back to John 16.33, Jesus said, In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. How you respond to tribulation and trials depends really upon who you are looking upon. Who is your focus? Jesus wants his disciples to have courage in the face of tribulation by focusing on him. Focusing on his power over the world. And so if you are farther, moving farther away from the Lord, it's because you've been taking your focus off of him. But if your focus is on the Lord, you will draw nearer and nearer to him in your afflictions. And that's what our passage today encourages us to do. When we face troubles in our world, we find hope and encouragement in focusing on the Lord and his power to protect us from the trials that we face. Psalm 121 is a reminder to the worshipers of God that our help in whatever trouble we face comes from the Lord, our protector. Psalms is a, is a book about worship. As you know, if you've been read it any time uh, in your life, it is a book that just speaks of so much human emotion. It speaks of the, the full gamut of human experiences. And in each one, whatever the experience we respond by worshiping God. We worship God because of who he is, because of what he's done, and because of what he will do. For many Christians, the Psalms bring encouragement and renewal in their faith. It brings us out of the depths of despair. It shows and shines the light of hope in our darkness. It sets our minds on God in the face of life's varied circumstances. Many times in my own distress and trials throughout life, I have turned to the Psalms for comfort. Last week I shared with you one of the first passages that came to mind, 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18. This Psalm was among the first two as well. It's brought comfort to my soul over the years. And I trust it will bring comfort to you this morning. The Psalms heading, as you look at it in your Bibles, classifies it as a song of ascents. It is believed that this group of Psalms from Psalm 120 through Psalm 134 were sung by the worshipers of God during their journey to Jerusalem during the three major annual festivals that Israel celebrated according to the word of God. And it is a fitting song, therefore, for every worship of God, even worshipers of God today, to sing on our journey of life. Especially in our day, as we face the worldwide threat of coronavirus disease, we need this psalm to remind us that though we go through trials and we face afflictions, our help comes from the Lord, our protector. As we look at this psalm, it's eight verses, and structurally it breaks down pretty evenly into four pairs of verses. In each pair, we learn something about our protector, the protector who gives us our help in times of trouble. And so as an outline for us today, we're going to look at four encouraging truths about the Lord, our protector. Four encouraging truths about the Lord, 
our protector. And the first encouraging truth that we look at this morning is found in verses 1 to 2. And that is that our protector is the maker of heaven and earth. That the one whom we look to for help is the one who has created all heaven and earth. And that gives us encouragement. Verse 1 and 2, the psalmist writes, I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. From where shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. As I already mentioned earlier, this psalm was sung by the Israelites on their journey upwards to Jerusalem. And it was Jerusalem, if you remember, uh, was sat at 2,500 feet above sea level. And so wherever people traveled from Israel to Jerusalem, it would be an upward journey. That's it's called the Song of Ascents because they would be rising up, heading up to Jerusalem. 2,500 feet, by the way, just to give you a little context, is about the same height as our nearby Mount Tam, Mount Tam Opias. Imagine walking up that hill and all the path, how steep that would be. And it's not with cars or, you know, but you're walking by on foot. So as the pilgrims journeyed toward Jerusalem upwardly, the worshiper would have looked along the mountains around that surrounded him. And as he looked at the mountains, he might have realized how small and helpless he was, how insignificant he stood compared to the mountains. He might have been distressed by the possibility of the dangers that lurked behind those mountains, whether wild animals or whether robbers. The hills provided good cover for robbers to attack travelers, especially travelers that were alone. Think of the parable of the Good Samaritan. And as this worshiper then looked to the mountains, the psalmist asked himself, from where shall my help come from? But just as the mountains remind the psalmist of his helplessness, they are also a reminder of, to him of the one who can help. These mountains are symbolic, especially in the ascent psalms, of the presence of the Lord. That the mountains, because Jerusalem sat on a mountain and the mountains surrounded Jerusalem, whenever one looked at the mountains, it would be a reminder of where in the middle on the, of the mount, on Mount Zion, on the Temple Mount, there sat the temple, there sat inside the temple the Holy of Holies, and there over the Holy of Holies, over the Ark of the Covenant, was the glory of the Lord, the presence of God. And so to look to the mountains was to be reminded of God's presence. In fact, in Psalm 125, verse 2, we read, As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forever. See, the mountains were symbolic of the Lord. And as the worshiper draws near, he, the mountains remind him from where his help comes from. Thus he says in verse 2, My help comes from the Lord, he answers. The Hebrew word for help is the Hebrew word azer. Sometimes we get the word Ezra from that, and it means to, and a helper is, sometimes we think of a helper as being subservient or like a servant. But the word help and helper speaks more to the one, that someone is in need rather than the one who is providing the need. The word means to provide what is lacking or what is necessary for someone else. And for every worshiper of God in this journey of life, all of us have needs. All of us are lacking. And whenever we face trouble, we know that we can look to God for help. Because the Lord God is our helper. David writes similarly in Psalm 154 verse 4. 
Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the sustainer of my soul. What gives the psalmist this confidence in the Lord to help? He answers and tells us in verse 2, because the God is the maker of heaven and earth. Genesis 1.1 tells us this, that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. By his powerful word alone, he has made all things seen and unseen. Recognizing that God has created all things gives one a confidence that all things then are ultimately under his control. We think about it now. If the maker of heaven and earth has created the sun in all its radiance, the oceans in all its depths, the mountains in all its peaks, he can just as easily, by that same word, destroy it, move it, or help you over or through it. Our protector, Lord, is all-powerful, and that's why he is our source of help. We are in our second week of sheltering in place here in the city of San Francisco. If you follow the news and tell you to, uh, sometimes I read too much, it, gets, it depresses me. You can't miss the direness of the situation around the world and in our country. Each time we have to leave the house for an essential activity, we wonder if we might become infected. We may become quarantined. We may become hospitalized. We may even die. Also, significantly, we might wonder, if we get sick, who who will take care of us? Who will help us when we can't go out to buy groceries and the things we need? Who will take us to the hospital if we're lying sick? Who will care for us when we're weak? Who will help us when we can't work or we don't have enough money? I would imagine that many of us have a safety net that we would, that our extended family members would help, that our church family would help, our medical professionals and, and skilled, work, skilled workers at the hospitals would help, and our government would help. And while we look to our fellow human beings to help, and certainly that's why God puts us in this society, we are aware, very much aware, that even at times the best of humans will fail us. That is why we need to remember that when we find ourselves needing help, though we are aware of the human means of help that will come and be at our aid, our first and ultimate and unfailing source of help comes from the Lord. He is the one who sends our family. He is the one who gives us the church. He is the one who has established, who has skilled those medical workers. He is the one who rules over the governments. God is the one who gives us help, and he is the maker of heaven and earth. That's who our protector is. That's where our help comes from. That's where your help comes from. Beginning in verse 3, the psalm changes from referring to the psalmist with first-person pronouns to second-person pronouns. And there's been debate upon uh, why is, whether there's a change of speakers here or it could simply very well be the psalmist speaking to himself. Perhaps it's just kind of like a, since the psalmist were written as songs, maybe there's a, there's a, a kind of a, a response of the individual and then the response of the chorus 
or, or something like that. There's two voices singing. But nevertheless, in either case, or whatever case we, there may be, verses 3 to 8 further elaborate on the Lord, our protector, and who the Lord, our protector, is. And the second encouraging truth that we learn about our Lord, our protector, in verses 3 to 4, is that our protector neither slumbers nor sleeps. Our protector neither slumbers nor sleeps. Verse 3 and 4. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Now for the Israelite worshipers, the road to Jerusalem wasn't a smooth highway, a smooth road. It wasn't paved. In fact, it was a rocky path through mountainous regions and terrain. And one had to exercise care in order not to slip and fall. And here the psalmist states his faith in God, that God will not allow his foot to slip. This is not a, even though one could take this physically, really this, this is best understood as a figure of speech, figuratively. The verse speaks of, of having great insecurity. When you slip, you, you fall suddenly unstable. And that's what trials do when they come into our lives. They, they can make us feel unstable, unsettled. We don't feel very secure When many of us, and particularly when we were younger, we used to go hiking a lot, and I did too, along with my friends. And I remember one time we went backpacking, uh, and backpacking was just awesome because we were hiking into this mountain lake, but before we get to the mountain lake, we had to go up this kind of this ridge, mountain ridge. And then we were just going along the mountain ridge. Of course, there's, it's pretty steep. Uh, it's a small little path. It's a lot of switchbacks. And, uh, and eventually you had to go over the ridge to get down into the mountain lake. And I remember during that hiking trip, and maybe you've had similar hiking trips, is that just one wrong slip, one slip, and you could definitely fall to your death or fall to your harm. And it takes great strength to be careful and to not slip and fall. And I know I was, I, you get tired being so careful. But God, of course, as you see, does not, did not allow my foot to slip. And that's just a picture of what he does in our lives spiritually. God does not allow your foot to slip as you walk through the mountainous terrains of this life. As you go through those treacherous times where there's just steep precipices. As you go kind of seemingly tirely through the switchbacks up higher elevation gains. The Lord will not allow your foot to slip. The verb here, slip, when used with the terminology of foot, it speaks of one slipping or, or sliding into, into, uh, into despair or, or fear or anxiety in times of calamity. And it is in those times when you and I face trials and calamities, adversities, afflictions, that we are susceptible to slipping and falling, becoming unsettled, despairing. But for the worship of God, we have the promise, the promise of the Lord that God will not allow your foot to slip. Because why? Because God is your protector. God is the one who will help you. He doesn't allow your foot to slip. 
Psalm 55, 22 tells us that cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. That word shaken is actually the same word here for slipped. It won't allow you to be unsettled, to be moved, to be, to be, uh, to be put, brought into despair. Whatever trial, temptation, or tribulation we face, God keeps us steady and unshaken, unmoved. Furthermore, Psalm 66, verse 8 through 9, reads this. Bless our God, O peoples, and sound his praise abroad, who keeps us in life and does not allow our feet to slip. You see, our protector will not allow our feet to slip and fall. And what gives the, the psalmist such confidence to assert this, that the Lord our God will not allow our foot to, to slip? Because the psalmist adds that our protector, our, our keeper, does not slumber nor sleep. It's a, basically another way of saying that God is ever watchful. He's ever vigilant. When the Israelites stopped to camp on their journeys to, uh, their journey to Jerusalem, they would oftentimes assign a certain individuals to be night watchmen, to be on guard for, for dangers that might attack the camp, and to warn the people when dangers come. Of course, as a night watchman or night guard, the most important thing is that they would not fall asleep, that they would remain alert and vigilant. And if you've ever had to remain vigilant through a night, and you know how hard that can be. And unlike human watchmen that sometimes might fall asleep at their post, our God, our protector, never sleeps, never slumbers. He doesn't get drowsy. He doesn't get tired. His power is infinite. He is always alert. He's always awake. He's always ready to help. The other religions in Israel's day allowed their gods to sleep. But the God of Israel does not need to sleep. When you are awake, he is watching over you. When you are asleep, he is watching over you. We may never, we don't really know when our foot's going to slip. But our ever-vigilant Lord is always ready to keep us from slipping into that state of insecurity and anxiety and fear. Three months ago, we were all celebrating the new year, 2020, looking forward to the law that the Lord would do in us, all that we would celebrate in this year. Who would have thought that within three months, the whole world would be on lockdown I would imagine that for many of us out here, this is the toughest, most dire calamity that many of us have ever faced in our lives. But nevertheless, our Lord is watching over you. He is there to keep you from slipping and falling. Maybe you even sense it. In your weakness, you sense that you are prone to wander. You're tempted to check out on Sundays. You're tempted to not walk with the Lord Monday through Saturday. You're tempted to despair. But know that our God is alert and watching over you. He is there to, if you are his, he is there to keep you from slipping and falling. He will not allow your foot to slip because he, your protector, does not slumber nor sleep. 
That's a great encouragement. Next time you go to sleep, which all of us must do, remember, think upon this thought, that though I must sleep, Lord, you do not. Though I am helpless when I sleep, I know I'm not helpless because you are watching over me. Not only does the Lord keep us steady then in the midst of calamity, but Psalm continues to remind us more about our protector. The thirdly, our third point is that our protector shades us day and night in verses 5 and 6. That is our our keeper shades us, is a shade and sheltered for us day and night. Verse 5 and 6, read that with me. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day nor the moon by night. The psalmist begins verse 5 here with the key theme of the psalm, really, the, the main statement, really, and that is the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your protector. This Hebrew word for keep is, is a, actually a very familiar verb. In fact, I think when I first started learning Hebrew, it was the first verb that I learned and became the verb that I would use in the, in the conjugation of all the, uh, of all the various uh, verb, uh, the verbs, uh, the the verb that I learned in in Hebrew class. Don't ask me more about that. That's the extent I know. Shamer. The word shamer, that translated keep, is a common word in the Old Testament. It's translated to keep, to tend, to watch over, to retain, to guard. But the main idea is of tending or or taking care of something. Very significantly, in the the first time we see this word is when in the Garden of Eden. When God put Adam and created Adam and put him in the Garden of Eden, he put him there for the purpose of cultivating the garden and shamaring it, keeping it, protecting it. So as your keeper, the Lord is the one who takes care of and watches over you. It's interesting that in this psalm, the word appears quite often, uh, quite often, it appears a total of six times in verse 3. Verse 4, verse 5, verse 7, two times, and verse 8. There it's translated keep, protect, and guard. I think the best translation, particularly in this light of this psalm, in though it's NAS translated in various different ways, but I like how the CSB does, the Christian Standard Bible translates it as simply, it translates all these words in the same way with the word protect. The Lord is your protector. He protects you from, he, from harm. He protect, the Lord is the one who protects you day and night. The latter part of verse 5 through verse 6 describes this protection of our, of our protector. This, his protection is, first of all, day and night. As the psalmist traveled to Jerusalem, he must have inevitably experienced the heat of the sun and the dangers of the night. And through it all, he believed that God would be his shade, his shade to protect him. The shade or, or the shadow or the, the, uh, that one received was a symbol of protection, especially from the sun. And if you've been, any of you spent a lot of time outside in the sun, you know how re, re, what a relief it is to be under shade, to have it cover you from the, the burning uh, rays of the sun. Here in this passage, the reference to protection from the sun and moon indicates that the protection is both day and night. 
It's protection from the, from the elements. Yes, from the sun as well as the, the moon. In the sense that, in the, uh, that some many people believe in that day that the, the moon could create a, a loss, a loss of mind, a lunacy. But God protects you not only from the elements, but ultimately protects you day and night. Isaiah 25, 4 tells us this, for you have been of the Lord, for you have been a defense for the helpless, a defense for the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shade from the heat. God is our shade and our shadow. Psalm 91, verse 1 tells us this, that he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. You dwell in the house of the Lord. You're part of his house under his shelter. You will abide in the shade that the Lord, the almighty God gives to us. When the psalm speaks of abiding in the shadow of the almighty, he is speaking of being protected by God. But not only this, much more, this shade of protection is not only day and night, but it's described as on your right hand, on your right hand. Now, the right hand in Hebrew culture was a place of honor, but it was particularly, it speaks of, of nearness. It's someone, something that's close to you. It's the place where one's protector would often stand. The phrase right hand man, in fact, kind of conveys this, the nearness of one who provides the greatest help, the greatest protection, the greatest assistance to us in, in our lives. Other Psalms speak of God being at one's right hand to protect as well. Psalm 16, 8, I have set the Lord continually before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. And Psalm 109, verse 31 says, For he stands at the right hand of the needy to save him from those who judge his soul. That's encouraging. You know, Maybe some of you are out there right now and you're feeling needy. You, there are needs in your life. And you don't have enough of something that you feel like you need. The Lord is stands at the right hand of the needy. Our keeper is the shade. It's a shade that protects us from the dangers day and night. And he's a shade that is not far away, but he's a shade that is near, ready and available to help. The Lord is your shade. The Lord is your shadow. Abide in him. And lastly, as we turn to verses 78, we learn one final thing, encouraging truth about our protector. And that is in verse 78, our protector guards our going and coming. Our protector guards our going and coming. Verse 7, the Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. We learn in these verses that the Lord will keep you safe in all circumstances, essentially. The word protect here, as we mentioned earlier, is the same word for keep. The word shamer. The Lord will keep you from all evil. The word for evil here is a word that may be defined as being that condition or action which in God's sight is unacceptable. It can refer to physical injury or times of distress. But the majority of the uses of this word refer to those unethical or immoral activity that are, that are, that are committed against other people. I like the CSB's again translation of this as simply harm. That the Lord will keep your, keep, 
will protect you from all harm. God not only protects us from harm in general, whether physical or spiritual, but he also protects our lives. The word here translated soul that he, that he uh, in verse 8, carries the meaning of one's whole life and being. Nothing can come into the life of a believer apart from God's permissive will. There are no random circumstances, no purposeless accidents, no fatalistic tragedies. Though the Lord God is good and he is never the author of sickness, suffering, or death, he overrules and uses them all for the accomplishment of his purposes. When he allows them to occur, we can know that God is working all things together for good to those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. To reinforce the fact that God protects us in the midst of all circumstances, the psalmist then adds in verse 8, the Lord will guard your going out and your coming in. <laughs> Again, the word for guard is the word for keep. Protect. He keeps our, our going out and our coming in. He protects us whenever we go out and whenever we come back in. These two phrases really taken together are really two opposites that summarize everything you do in between. When you go out, when you come in, and everything else. It's all that we occupy our days. Whether you're going to school or work, whether you're going, coming from church or from play or work, or even in our days, from the majority of us, when you're staying home or when you're staying home, or when you go to your living room or when you go to your kitchen when you go to your dining room or when you go to your backyard, wherever you go in your goings and comings, the Lord protects and watches over you. In every imaginable situation, the Lord our God protects us. He knows what we're going through. He knows exactly what is we're facing. The psalmist writes in Psalm 139, verse 2 to 3, these words, the psalmist writes of the Lord, you know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. God knows everything that is going on in your life. He knows your whole schedule this week. He knows what you have been doing with your time. He knows when you, when you leave the house for those essential activities. He knows when you return. He watches over all our ways. God is with you. Even when you go out and you feel the, that sense of maybe anxiety of the, of the potential of catching the a disease, the virus, Lord watches over you. God protects you in every circumstance. At the end of verse 8, the psalmist even adds one last additional description. The Lord's protection is not only in our goings and comings, but the psalmist also adds that he, he guards us from this time forth and forever. In every circumstance and in every moment is what he's saying. Every single moment of your life, God is watching over you and protecting you. Our Lord, our God, is our protector, and he is our help. 
As we conclude this psalm, it's important then for to remind ourselves again that when God promises to protect us from all harm, as we've read in this psalm, or in every circumstance, or in every moment, it does not mean that we will never face trials or tribulation or affliction. It doesn't mean that. When God promises to protect us from harm, he's not promising to remove all trials from our lives. In fact, this psalm, as well as Jesus himself, according to John 16, McCall, tells us that, when, that we all will face, that we can expect to face tribulation. We can expect to be times in our life that we will need help. We can expect to, need to, uh, to have times in our life that we will need a shade. We expect to have times that we need protection. We can expect to have times to know that God will watch us over us. Because if everything was peaceful and happy, then we wouldn't need the Lord. What this psalm teaches us is that throughout life's journey, whenever we face trials and tribulation, the Lord will protect us and help us in the midst of it all. This psalm just simply keeps it real. We are going to be people who need help. We're all on a journey like the worshipers of God. And we will all be wondering, where will my help come from? And when we face those times, we know that our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, the one who neither slumbers nor sleeps, the one who is a shade both day and night, the one who guards our going and coming from this day forth and forevermore. The Lord himself ultimately protects us when he took on flesh and came to die on the cross for our sins. He came to protect us from the greatest harm of all, the curse of sin and the judgment that comes from a holy God. When Jesus came and died on the cross, in his death, Jesus overcame the world. His victory over sin is the key to our protection from the calamities of this world. It is because of our faith in Christ that we have the hope of of a help, an ever-present help in our troubles. When all else is falling apart, we have our souls secure through faith in Jesus. So that in tribulation, we have peace knowing that though we go through afflictions, we have a, a help that comes from the Lord. He will help us and give us exactly that which we need to keep our faith and trust in Him, to have a, maintain hope of, in Him and learn to trust in Him and learn to love Him even more. And have the confidence knowing that he is working everything together for our good. And that in Christ, nothing will separate us from his love for us. There's never going to be a moment when he's going to forsake you and leave you. Because, oh, maybe because you're not worthy or you're not as, he doesn't love you anymore. For the people of God, the worshipers of God, he will always love you. 
It will always keep and watch over you and protect you. The Lord our God. I want to end our time with just a a, um, a passage, a, actually a, read, a, a quote that I came across, by written by Eugene H. Peterson. It's a book that he wrote on the commentary on the Songs of Ascents. And the book is entitled, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And I'll just conclude with reading his quote. I think it kind of sort of restates what we said this morning. The Christian life is not a quiet escape to a garden where we can walk and talk uninterruptedly with our Lord, nor a fantasy trip to a heavenly city where we can compare blue ribbons and gold medals with others who have made it to the winner's circle. The Christian life is going to God. In going to God, Christians travel the same ground that everyone else walks on, breathe the same air, drink the same water, shop in the same stores, read the same newspapers, are citizens under the same governments, pay the same prices for groceries and gasoline, fear the same dangers, are subject to the same pressures, get the same distresses, are buried in the same ground. The difference is that each step we walk, each breath we breathe, we know we are preserved by God. We know we are accompanied by God. We know we are ruled by God. And therefore, no matter what doubts we endure or what accidents we experience, the Lord will preserve us from evil. He will keep our life. With that, brothers and sisters, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word, for the encouragement from the psalmist. Lord, as we walk in this journey of life, as we face the mountains that may threaten and, and the dangers that may come from them, Lord, we also remind that we look to the mountain where you dwell. Father, we look to your presence. We look to you for hope. We look to you for help. Lord, our help comes from you, the maker of heaven and earth. Lord, what is there in this world that you cannot control? Just as easily as you made it, one day you will just as easily destroy it. Lord, in the meantime, you will help us through these mountains and these trials. God, we thank you that you are always one who is ever vigilant. You never slumber or sleep. You're always there to protect us day and night. You're always there, Lord, to keep us from all harm. Wherever we go, whether we're going, whether we're coming, whether we're staying at home, Lord, you are with us. You are our protector, our help. Lord, in the, no, matter, no matter what each of us out there are facing right now, for each of us, Lord, help us to remember thence that you are our help that we would focus our minds on you because, and especially upon Jesus Christ because he is our protector. And Lord, through faith in Christ, help us to remember that no matter what we face, nothing is going to shake us, move us, stumble us because there is nothing in this world, nothing created, that can ever separate us from the love of Christ. So, Lord, we thank you 
for this hope. We draw near to you in love, independence, and trust. Help us continue, each and every one, to continue walking, drawing closer to you in these days of trial and affliction. Use us, too, to be a hope and encouragement to other people who may also be facing and feeling the very same things of fear and anxiety and worry. Lord, especially for those out there who do not yet know Jesus Christ, we pray that today they might realize that they, in, their, in their sense of helplessness, in the sense of despair, maybe their feet feel like they're slipping, that they would realize that all that is wrong with this world is because of sin, the curse of sin, that they would recognize that they are sinners, that they would turn in faith to you now, receiving what you have provided for them through, through your son, that they, through faith in him, trusting in Jesus, that they might have forgiveness of sins, salvation, and the hope of eternal life. And they too might join us as worshipers of you who know that you are an ever-present help for us in our times of trouble. Lord, continue to watch over your flock as we are each in our different places. And Lord, we pray that you would one day bring about the end of this pandemic and allow us to all gather together in person again soon. Lord, continue to grant wisdom to our leaders, our world rulers. Continue to grant strength and protection to our medical workers. Provide them the supplies that they need. But ultimately, Lord, provide them protection from you. God, I pray, we pray, that for the church of Jesus Christ, that we would shine brightly that we would do our part to support one another, support our families and our friends and neighbors. Lord, may you draw many to yourself in these days. And God, we ask these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.